Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of the book of Ephesians. There are many essentials of the faith. In some areas of theology, there is room for differing viewpoints. There are some things the Bible hints about, but does not specifically and unequivocally prove one viewpoint as opposed to others. But most things are so clear in Scripture that no deviation can be tolerated. These are the truths we must contend for and be diligent to preserve. Among these truths outlined in this passage is that there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. Please follow along with Pastor Harris as he explains these truths in today's slice of this week's message entitled, The Theology of Unity, Part 2. Jesus went and won the battle for our souls, and then he turns around and he gives gifts to us. We are the ones who receive the gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ. Now, verses 9 and 10 is an explanation of something that lies behind the giving of those gifts. And at this point, we interrupt this sermon. This is for an important message from its author. I am about to do my best to teach you what this passage says and what it means by what it says. This is based on countless hours of research and study. It started uh, long ago. The, the flood was drying, and I was working on my master's thesis at that time, and I was dealing with something that was ancillary to this passage. And uh, Marsha will tell you, just for you know, months and months and months and months, and I got two extensions on my thesis, I just kept adding and adding and adding to this pile of things. And so finally got to the end. Uh, I am utterly confident of my view on this, and I believe that what I'm going to teach you harmonizes with key passages in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. But in full disclosure, and the reason I'm pausing here, I want you to know that there are many godly fellow expositors and theologians who interpret this passage differently. And at the risk of bringing down a bolt of lightning, I will tell you that you will find the other interpretation in your MacArthur Study Bible. All right, we're safe. Gotten through it both in, in both services. Most teachers and preachers who identify themselves under the banner Reformed, this would be most um, in the, the believing wings of the Presbyterian uh, Church and, and other groups, uh, Lutherans, where, where there are true believers among them, they say that the word ascended refers to Jesus ascending to the Father, and He's above all. Absolutely agree with that. I think that's what ascended means there. They say the word descended simply refers to the fact that He took on humanity and He came to earth. 
And that's all that it means. In their view, the phrase, into the lower parts of the earth, doesn't add anything to the word descended. In other words, lower parts of the earth equals the earth, comma, the lower parts, that Christ was in heaven and, and, and he came to earth. Now, there's no heresy in that viewpoint. Um, those who hold to it don't corrupt the gospel. Uh, I would say I am unworthy to untie the sandals of many who hold to that view. But I think there's more to it than that. And that the combined impact of this passage in concert with several others paints an even more profound picture. We now return to our regularly scheduled sermon in progress. Okay, here's this fascinating parenthetical statement, and uh, uh, good on the New America Standard translators for putting it in, uh, in parentheses. There are no parentheses in the Greek manuscripts, but grammatically, this stands on its own. Now, this expression, verse 9, he ascended. What does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. Now, as I said, the one view is lower, uh, descended means he took on humanity, he came to earth. I say to you, why then say into the lower parts of the earth? That phrase has no significance if all that descended means this is the incarnation. The reference here to lower parts refers to a place of spirits. In the Bible, it is referred to as both the place of the spirits of dead people, the non-material part of them. Your body is dead. It's in the, it's in the tomb. It's in the, it's in the ground. And yet you continue to live. Your soul, your spirit, your, the, the, the real you continues to live. And... This same place is used to describe a place of residence of some demons who are imprisoned awaiting their final sentencing. And they're not going to be released except for the time of final judgment. And these verses tell us these three things that Jesus has accomplished to make up the unity in the church or to make the unity in the church a reality. So back to the outline. The captives are captured, verse 8. Um, therefore, he, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. He went to that place, and he brought back with him those who had, um, who had died already. Then the gifts are given and the proclamation to the prisoners. But the captives are, captive, are, are, captives are captured is the first part of it. It says, Christ went to this lower place. You probably know it by the term Sheol or Hades, S-H-E-O-L. That's the Hebrew word, Hades, H-A-D-E-S. That's the Greek word. They are exact uh, synonyms for each other in, in two different languages. And this is saying that while his body was in the tomb, Jesus wasn't taking the weekend off. In his spirit, he went and brought those who had, been, um, who had died in the state of faith, they were believing, they were trusting, and he brought them into heaven. Why was that? Well, they couldn't come into the presence of God because their sins had not been 
atoned for. How do we know that? Well, let's go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 14. This is very important. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Very crucial phrase. Once for all. All who ever enter the presence of God get there because of what Jesus did for them once. goes on to say, Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins, but he having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time. Same phrase. He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until His enemies be made a footstool for His feet. For by one offering He has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. No priest in the Old Testament era ever sat down because their work was never done. Jesus made one sacrifice, one day, for all, and He sat down. Now, there's more of the story to unfold. His enemies will be made the footstool of His feet. That's a a guaranteed promise now, but it hasn't happened just yet. So, this place of their waiting, called Hades in the Greek or Sheol in the Hebrew, Paul calls it here the lower parts of the earth. Within the place of spirits, there were different places. This place called Sheol or Hades, I do a little Bible study that I say is um, um, biblical unreal estate. You can't find the address of it. You can't give a GPS coordinates for it. Very real places, but not physical places. This is a a realm that we can't uh, perceive, if you will. And it has different parts within it. There is a place where believers are. It's called Abraham's bosom. You read about that in Luke chapter 16, the, the record of the rich man and Lazarus. Abraham, according to Romans, is the prototypical believer. If you have a faith like Abraham and Jesus hasn't come yet and you die, you are with Abraham. It's a place of blessing. You read about it in Luke 16. That's about the only hint we have of it. It's, a, it's the place you want to be. And then remember, there is this huge chasm and separated from Abraham's bosom is a place of torment where unbelievers are. And then in Luke chapter 23, verse 43, you also have Jesus calling Abraham's bosom paradise. I think that's a synonym for the, for the same thing. And he said he would be there with that thief who repented next to him on that very day. So everyone from the time of Adam up until when Christ led the captives captive, brought them safe into the presence of the Father, they were all in that place. Jesus went and recaptured the POWs from death. Stay tuned for more details. Then the gifts are given. He says that in in verse 8. Each one, this is our individuality. The Savior has done this. He has given us gifts, and they are given to us. When we get to verse 11, we will begin the section on how the body of Christ is meant to function in light of all of these diverse individuals working together as one body. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.